Alexa, what time is it? The time is 6.29 p.m. <laughs> okay, two Alexas, we're still late. Um, technical problems yet again, and you're welcome to the Pompey Politics Podcast. Blue and yellow till we die. I'm Ian Tiny Morris. And I'm Simon Sansbury, but slightly frazzled. Okay, so... Again, technical issues. Thanks, Zoom, for kind of updating things and making it next to impossible for Ian to get on. Um, here we are. Yeah, and back in the early days when we had phones balanced on the handles of vacuum cleaners and various other bits of kit, we thought we might have mastered it by now. But yeah, we've um, we thought we were beyond that, but um, but it it doesn't seem to um, doesn't seem to have quite worked out that way. So. Um, we oh thought you popped out of the call then for a second. So um, okay, I'm going to try not to have to vamp too long each time Ian drops out of the call. Um, so today, episode forty-one. Yeah, um, twelve weeks in. Yes. Lockdown. So how's your how's your lockdown week been? Yeah, not too bad this week to be honest. No, I had a I had a I had a reasonable week blogging and and um, invited the world into the into the sport of gymnastics on Friday. So, um, yeah, no, it's been a, not been a bad week at all, to be fair. So, um, yeah, the, uh, the dinner's just come out of the smoker and is now sat resting in the oven. So, uh, no, I think we're in a, we're in great shape, Simon. Okay. But are you staying alert? Oh, very much so. I am like a coiled spring ready to pounce on every opportunity. Um, so yeah, no, it's been a, it's been a very troubled week in politics and, you know, lots of lots of stuff to discuss today. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and again, as we tend to. In- uh, um, I've just lost the in string. So while we recover, Ian, um, I'll talk about. So my week, thankfully, um, wasn't as awful as last week. Um, midnight is way on the mend. He's back to his normal self. Bless him. Um, and no cat escapades this week, which has been great. Um, so other than that, it's, it's not been too bad. It's not been too bad a week. Um, so Ian, you're back. And we're back. Yes. Yes. Sorry about that chums. This could be, a this, this could be testing the patience. Um, but, um, we, we struggled through last week, so we're going to struggle through again this week and hell, we're just made of hardier stuff. Um, so we um we've got some topics with a theme to talk through we've got someone already that has said to us one of our um one of our previous guests has said that they'd like to pop on and um and give a view to the subjects that we wanted to talk about today but what are we talking about today Ian? so yeah we want to start really with the recall of um parliament so mm-hmm. well parliament i mean the technical term of recalling parliament is usually about them returning having had a jolly nice holiday but um so that we had a virtual parliament that's that's um that's now come back and we want to kick that around um obviously you know we can't go through the uh through this week without recognizing the terrible incidents over in the us and the tragic death of george floyd and the uh, trump's response to what follows thereafter and then we'll um we'll come a bit closer to home and uh and talk about some issues there so i think i've lost you again um so the technical issues are coming thick and fast today so hopefully you're um you're yeah you're just a little bit frozen uh, to me but yes so the horrific murder of um of george floyd on the on the 25th of may um in america so um killed by the very people that are actually meant to be um protecting um, society in um, in Minneapolis, Minnesota, 46-year-old man. Um, and then Trump basically went on to do the things that Trump normally does. Um, um, Trump saying that in the in the cities where there's protests that if the if the city is sorry if in, in the states that the you know the governors aren't doing enough. Um, so he's suddenly really really concerned um, 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 about. 
uh, about public safety, despite taking a really kind of light view of um, of um, COVID. So he's suddenly really concerned about that, but basically saying to the governors that aren't doing enough in states um, to keep the streets safe, that he's going to send the military in. Um, just unbelievable. It, it's it, it it it's a scary thing, and and the, the trouble is, is that horrifically, we're actually quite used to him saying things like this but in a situation where you've got um you know you've got the wider population um enraged at the uh, at, you know at the, at the murder of one of its citizens um and then you've got the the president of the united states threatening to send in the military i just wondered at this point where all the second amendment adventists were that um that protest themselves outside um legislature um sites in their states and cities with their, you know, with their assault rifles and with their various sorts of weapons. You know, they're unhappy that they can't get their hair cut or they can't get a burger, but want, you know, don't, you know, they're always talking about how scared they are that people are going to take away their weapons and they have a Second Amendment right to basically bear arms um, against the the threat or, or the potential threat of a tyrannical government. But here they are actually silent when the government is actually threatening to send in the military against um against the citizens um in in america where are they um they're strangely silent on that one um looks like i've lost ian again so it's um it's um it's just my voice um uh, for now so we we've got that concern and then um you know, several weeks after the country was enraged um, about um, about Dominic Cummings and his questionable understanding about how the rules work and indefensible eye tests with you know in a, with with your wife and your child in a car, um, and then we we get um, you know in in our own country we've you know gone through the thing of um, schools starting to take back um, children in certain year groups. Um, where that was safe to do so, but also in our own parliament, um, the uh, the leader of the house, um, Jacob Rees-Mogg, wanted an end to to the virtual nature of parliament that had been set up to deal with the COVID nineteen crisis, um, um, and his reasons for wanting to end that were that um, doing the debates online um, meant that people couldn't bob, which is this practice in the chamber where um where if someone wants the attention of the speaker so a chance to actually speak they kind of start sitting up um in order to get your back i was i was kind of vamping talking about um talking about our parliament and jacob Rees-Mogg um wanting parliament to come back um uh, because um he, he effectively what he was saying was that it, it it um he doesn't like how the debate works online and doesn't feel that people can actually have a have a fully engaged debate and they can't catch the speaker to be able to do that i mean to be fair anybody who's managed a zoom or other video type of call knows that those things are all possible you just need to know how to do them um yeah they're, they're possible simon but i think you know as you say if you've been on any kind of meeting a 650 person zoom call um, is a hell of a thing to manage. You know, you've got the raise your hand feature, but, you know, I think you're going to... Let's face it, the speaker isn't usually a a tech whiz kid, are they? Uh, no, they're not. But, you know, let's also be realistic. It isn't actually the speaker himself that, that's, that you know, that would be managing those sorts of calls. Um, so, you know, there would be other people that would actually be, be dealing with actually how, you know, the technology of how to, how to actually process that. So, um, yes, it's difficult. Yes, it requires operating in a slightly different way, but it's, it's not impossible. It's how lots of other businesses, yes, a large number of people, so it makes it more unwieldy and more difficult, but there are, there are ways to deal with things. Um, for me, the kind of fundamental thing is, um, what that's resulted in, um, is, um, isn't. It is the government having to backtrack actually on something that they'd said because they'd wanted to end all virtual voting um, and MPs quite rightly pointed out that um, would be an issue for people that are shielding or in vulnerable categories. Yeah. Um, and the PM said that, uh, well, actually, okay, you know, fair enough, when challenged with Keir, by Keir Starmer in PMQs, that 
um, that what they do was would enable proxy voting, so not virtual voting um, for those people. So they can't contribute to the debate in the chamber, um, but they can at least um, have their um, have have their vote um, cast on their behalf by someone else. So, um, yeah. but I don't think the law to the actual amendment to the to the legislation that's effectively um, closed the virtual parliament that that law doesn't appear to have been amended yet to say that that uh, that kind of proxy voting can can take place so it seems that um as an example the government weren't really able to even manage their own parliament so um so it, you know it, it's just a bit of a shame that those are things had they actually consulted on these issues before had they kind of looked at it a bit a bit better they could have done it and it's a bit worrying that you have a situation where some MPs aren't able to aren't able to involve in the debate. I'm hoping that you're back enough to be able to say something yourself. Otherwise, it's just my voice I, and people. I'm trying. Are... <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to, but you, you you seem at the moment to be in epic monologue mode. No, I I, I I'd just yeah, fallen it's, into it because because you'd lost. I'm going to pause. You go. <laughs> so I think there are a number of factors in play. So the first thing for me is that. Uh, you know, uh, and again, I, I've been very vocal this week that, that there is a lot of there's a lot of traffic on social media that is the government can't do right for doing wrong. So there's an element of had they not have recruit Parliament, uh, I, I would was ready for the well. They're telling us it's safe for the kids to go back to school. It's safe to go back to work, but they're sitting there in their ivory towers. They're not having a bar of it. So I think there is an element of. You know, if the government have said return to work if you can, there was an element of obliging them to do it. I think there are two factors in play for me. You're absolutely right, but we have to have the provision for proxy votes um, for those that are shielding and can't attend, because it's absolutely right that that people should have fair representation. But the bit that's doing my sweeping, I get the difficult to manage 650 people. What I can't get my head around is the fact that we haven't got a simple app called gov.vote.parliament.com where the 650 people who have access to that app can't just press yay or nay you know the ridiculous imagery of a queue two and a half miles long and 90 minutes to shuffle everybody through the voting lobby that strikes me that it could could have been imminently fixable yeah i i i agree and this the, to me it kind of points out the glaring difficulties in trying to run a 19th century parliament in a 21st century country um even the normal way of voting you know takes uh, takes a large chunk out of the day by the time you kind of add it all up and people passing through lobbies and stuff yeah um many other parliaments um uh, and I'll use the example of the only other parliament that I've visited recently, which is the European Parliament, mm -hmm. um, um, which I, I'm trying to not get you kind of raging, was, um, you know, it, it's it's electronic voting there. At the end of the day, um, it's it's done uh, much swifter, much easier. And like any, to, to be blunt, any other organisation that operates in this kind of, um, in, in this century, um, it needs to, needs to, needs to operate like that. It's, it just seems a shame, a shame that those things are kind of creaking. This crisis has pointed those things out. Um, it's been handled badly by the people, uh, by the people managing it. Everybody's kind of trying to find the best way. But to be fair, um, you know, at the end of the day, if you're interested in trying to find a way to make things work and not just enforce how you want to do it on everybody else, you'd have actually consulted with other people and tried to find out, okay, well, we want to do this. What's the best way for us to do that? So um, I don't think kind of pointing out that it's been stupidly handled is is uh, um, an overtly poor criticism, you know, a weak criticism of the government. At the end of the day, they should have just actually said to the other parties, we, we intend to do this. What's the right way to do that? Um, and even if they did that, they obviously didn't listen to anybody else because these things would have been pointed out in the first place and they wouldn't have had to U-turn on their own policy. I'm not sure I follow what you're saying, because at the end of the day, the instruments of government are kind of hardwired in, aren't they? And so there's an element of the way in which government operates and the way in which debates and votes and, you know, parliamentary procedure, you know, it, it, it's not written down on the back of a fag packet, is it? 
you know, it, it, it's, it is intentionally wound up in a significant amount of red tape so that the government of the day can't ride a coach and horses roughshod through that process to advantage themselves. So I, I think to the lay person, and again, as so many are apt to do at the moment, what you should have done, mate, is, well, I don't know what latitude there is within the parliamentary in instruments to allow the government to make that change in a flexible and agile way. A lot of what I see in government is it is designed not to allow flexibility or agility. But they made those changes in order to actually have the virtual parliament. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, that I'm sorry, that's just that's just really lame. They they were able to instigate those changes to actually um, have a virtual parliament that worked. They made a decision that wasn't based on practicality to cease doing a virtual parliament for their own purposes. Um, that had nothing to do with consultative or what's actually even possible. They didn't ask so what, anybody what, else. Sorry, what, what, what purposes are those? Well, I don't know. I can't read Jacob Reese's Mog's mind, but they, you know, at the end of the day, um, Boris seems to perform better in PMQs when he's got people baying and shouting behind him. Jacob Rees-Mogg pointed out some some issues about um, some concerns uh, about the nature of the debate within Parliament, but the measures that they've actually proposed and put in place themselves withdraw from the debate MPs that are um, that are shielding and are in vulnerable groups. So it, on one hand. They're saying, well, we need to stop doing this because it doesn't quite work because it does. It's not how Parliament is is um, used to working. The whole country is finding ways to deal with things that aren't the way that they're used to working. No, I, I absolutely get that. The the bit that I'm not understanding is the for their purposes statement. Because well, what was the other motive? Well, that's, well, that's a, that's another in. It's another implied. There must be something sinister to this. No, I don't think it's sinister. I think it's I think it's really clear. Um, they didn't like it, so they changed it, but they changed it in a haphazard, ill-thought-out, ill-conceived way. And to be fair, that's, you know, they, they are the ones that decided not to consult with anybody else or to come up with a way of doing that with addressing these issues. They decided to proceed and ignore everybody else because they're in a position to be able to do that. That's... You know, I can't speak to what their motivation for doing that is, but it obviously serves their purposes to be able to do that because they have the power to do that with the majority that they've got. So, so and again, you've said serves their purposes. Yeah. So, so, so those purposes wouldn't be to get a better quality of debate within the House of Parliament. Well, but that doesn't stand up to scrutiny, does it? Because, but the measures that they put in place prevent democratically elected representatives of certain constituencies from being able to attend parliament and contribute to those debates or to be able to actually contribute to those debates remotely. So that doesn't make sense. So the current state we agree is far from ideal. Yes. And the previous state with the virtual parliament was far from ideal. Yeah, the whole country's dealing with a situation that's far from ideal. The difference is they decided to go ahead and revert to the original way of working without well, putting in any mitigation measures. It? Yes, it is. No, it's not, because a proportion of Parliament can't attend Parliament. But the reason, but, but in normal circumstances, a proportion of Parliament that doesn't attend Parliament is for their, their decisions in regards to they might be away at, you know, attending other things or spending time with their Absolutely. constituencies. But this is a situation where... They've not thought of or considered the people that can't attend because they're keeping people safe and actually listening to the government's own advice about how to stay alert and how to keep themselves safe and how to protect the people in their own household. So, it, it, it you know, at the end of the day, regardless of, you know, you know you're going to try to defend their, the, what reason they have for doing it. I don't know what their reason ha having for doing it, because as I said, I can't read Jacob Rees-Mogg's mind. What I'm saying is they've handled it badly. And these are people that are meant to, you know, that are, that are trying to advise the rest of the country about how we deal with this situation. But they haven't been able to manage an organisation that has 650 people attending to it. It's an oversimplification to say there are 650 people. There are 650 elected MPs. Yes. There are... 
the, the, the instrument of government and the MP's offices contain a considerable amount more than 650 people. So there's an element of we, we agree that it's far from ideal. Mm-hmm. We agree that we're having to, to, to work through the detail. Um, I think there's already been a statement from the Prime Minister that they're going to address the shielding MPs and how they can participate as fully as possible. Mm-hmm. And again, I haven't seen the stats, so I don't know whether that advantages or disadvantages one side or another. I just think that the situation is evolving, um, as with so many situations at the moment. And got- there's an element of ev- every solution that will be pr- proposed or implemented in every situation will be imperfect. Of course it will, but this this wasn't a solution. This was, we want to come back to a physical parliament. We're going to shut off a virtual parliament. We're going to have MPs queuing for a kilometre and a half out in, out, yep. out in the open. You know, not at all a safety risk. Um, but we're not going to actually consult about that. We're just going to press ahead with doing that and ignore everybody else. It, my, my point isn't that... Um, isn't that they wanted to explore it. My point is that they did it without consulting anybody and without actually doing it in a, in, in a time of crisis, in a consultative way and actually managing it in any effective way. They, surely they didn't use their common sense. Um, otherwise, they would have thought of the people that are shielding or that, need, that are in vulnerable categories and wouldn't, uh, wouldn't have set in place um, a situation that excluded them being their rep- the representatives for their their constituents, so to kind of draw back to our you know to our overarching three, what we're talking about you know is the kind of the concern about our democracy is founded on on the basis that we have representatives um, in our houses of parliament. The moves that the government took this week meant that our representatives in the representatives for some constituencies couldn't contribute to debate in parliament and they still won't be able to contribute to debate in parliament um and wouldn't be able to vote now they've said that they'll allow voting by proxy um but they i I don't it's unclear as to whether that um those measures have actually been brought into into force or not so it's it as a democratic exercise of accountability that concerns me this isn't about me being unhappy because it's a conservative government this is me being unhappy that it's a government choosing to do things that ex- deliberately exclude um, a portion of the people that are meant to be representing a portion of the country. That that that's my concern. Are you back? Because I, I keep seeing kind of things drop in and out. So I don't know I how have, much of that you got. Uh, virtually none of it. Uh, I'm afraid I've been gone for about the last ninety seconds, two minutes. Okay. Well, um, I think you're going again. I don't know that. Um, frozen. Okay. Hang on. Now we can te- hear you, but I'll... your image is frozen. Okay. Can, you turn well... the video off? can I turn video off? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. So, uh... okay. So, do we want to? Because we, um, as as we were saying earlier on. One of our previous guests, Ivy Burrows, was um, is is going to join us and kind of speak to those points. Um, and I guess what what um, what will naturally come up in that conversation? Can you still hear me, Ian? Are you still with us? So I've I've turned video off in yeah. the attempt to try and uh, try and get VoIP to um, at least keep the audio coming. So uh, okay, so we're we're giving that a go now. So you won't be able to see me, but hopefully you'll be able to hear me. Okay. All right, so we'll we'll kind of battle through with that. So um, we've got Ivy in the waiting room. Shall we talk about the because the other the other thing that we wanted to talk about in our theme about questions about local demo, about democracy was kind of the local issue. Should we talk about that first before we before we um, bring Ivy in? This is the point that I've lost Ian again. And we're back. And you're back. <laughs> Uh, um, so, so, yeah. I mean, if if Ivy's waiting to come in, let's let's bring her in. Okay. So, um, so we'll 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 bring in the local the local issue when once we've got kind of well, Ivy. Let's see what yeah. Ivy's got to say. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, uh, let's let's get Ivy in. Hopefully, she's got a better connection. Let me try restart my iPad. Ivy, um, are you there? 
We've got we've got image. We're just waiting for audio. Let's see. Um, can you hear us? Can you hear us? <laughs> I can see you. I can see you, but we can't hear you. <laughs> okay, this is yeah. It's the call is still trying to connect your audio. So. No, we are having a real night of it tonight. This is not pretty. Um, no, no, but let's, you know, we're not Go talking ahead, about the Home Secretary. Um, so. Oh, hello. Hi, Ivy. Friends. Yes, we've got you. Yes, hello. We, we had image, but we had no audio. Um, Ian's had to give up on video because there seems, seems to be an issue with stream. Um, we weren't sure whether that's his end or my end. Hopefully, um, well, it's one or the other, because if it's, if it's my end, then everything's completely messed up. Thank you for joining us. Hello. It's good to be here. Um, I've been watching and taking some notes on what, what you've been saying. <laughs> okay. H um, how many pads did you fill up? <laughs> um, only two pages. Well, okay. a page and a half so far. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what, you, what are your thoughts on what we've talked about so far? My thoughts are... I completely agree when Simon said that their silence speaks volumes. People who are always screaming about freedom of speech and um, and their rights to protest or to have guns or whatever, um, they are either saying all lives matter or saying nothing at all. And the all lives matter is an easily counted argument, but um, not saying anything is saying the most. And I think. Boris Johnson's silence and lack of condemnation of Donald Trump speaks incredibly loudly about our country's special connection with the USA and how we really are not that distant. And we are selling riot gear and weapons and such to the USA that are being used on those protesters. And the idea that our country has true equality and that our democracy represents every single person within our country. Um, it's kind of being shown a little bit to be false, if that makes sense. Yeah. It, um, I, I, I don't know whether we've still, Ian, are you still there? I'm always worried about his silence, whether that means we've lost him for a bit. Um, don't yeah. worry, you know, I don't think your silence here speaks volumes. I know it's a technical <laughs> issue. <laughs> um, yeah, I haven't been, I haven't kind of snuck around it outside his house and pulled and um, pulled the fiber optic cable out the front out of the yeah. front of the house or anything. Um, so, yeah, I, and I think kind of that's that's the broader theme that we wanted we were trying to talk to was that um, when our when our elected representatives are conducting themselves in a way that actually um seems to countermand or count you know contradict the actual very kind of democratic process they're meant they're meant to be protecting um that's that you know to me that's 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 quite a concerning thing it's it's a very uh, i guess sometimes that's a very kind of easy thing to kind of shout about in the sense of uh, they're ignoring democracy and god we've heard that a lot over the last four years for different reasons um yeah. but yeah i i i I mean, obviously, you know, the president of the United States of America isn't isn't accountable to us. Um, but Boris Johnson, you know, we'd, we'd be expecting him, right, or his or his government to be saying something about, you know, if it, if it was a if that was a North Korean issue, if that was in North Korea, um, or if it was something happening on the streets of Russia, um, it'd have been straight into, you know, been straight into Parliament and uh, rightly saying hang on a minute this this country stands for fair play it stands for justice and fairness for all and it stands for um i mean we have a different kind of um it, we we have a different theory method of policing than they do in the states we we tend to police by consent whereas in the states they you know they, they obviously don't um so yeah it's it's strange um and disappointing and embarrassing well, well, like you said, um, the government is in a position to ignore anyone else. They they do have a majority. They don't need necessarily to truly represent everyone within the country. And while our police are not as militarized as the United States, 
Oh, oh. <laughs> we've, we've, I think that's Ian and Nick, Nikki trying to figure out yeah. the technical issues there end. Carry on, Ivy. There is still um, a lot of in, an incredible amount of social, economic, racial, um, sexual inequality within our country. And that is still supported within the system by the police. And the question, like, does our democracy is our democracy even a democracy? In in the 80s, Margaret Thatcher let money into politics. Reaganism let like businesses into politics. And ever since then, businesses have been able to use their money, their influence to push the countries in directions and to influence government. Right now, we're getting a lot of American um, lobbyists um, like lobbyists paid by millionaires to push their specific agenda and we're having that come over here and some of that is attacking trans rights for example um, which is very personal obviously to me um, and Liz Truss is threatening trans people with not being protected by the um, Equalities Act and that's got an incredible amount of trans people terrified and we are people of this country we are people in this country that is not being represented in fact we're being intentionally misrepresented and the help that we need is simply not there and it we can we often get told like we're preachy or whiny or or well personally i get a lot of that i guess i can be but there are serious serious issues and for so many people no nope. help is not help is not there sorry i have a tendency to go off on tangents about no, ADHD. That, yeah we, we've we've gone off on a and a, and and if and those are those are all yeah. obviously really 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 important issues what i want to if what i'd like to do if you don't mind is kind of draw it back to kind of the broader yeah. point of, of the democratic thing i think ian has managed to at least join us as a call that's correct Yes. Hello. Yes. Welcome, Ian. Um, so, um, so um, Ivy was um, was. I don't know whether you caught what Ivy was talking about with regards to the no. kind of the general concerns no. about uh, representation, um, and um, basically about how. Um, and I'm massively paraphrasing and summarising. So, I apologies, apologies, Ivy. Um, that our our existing government doesn't really have to worry too much about having to represent. Um, um, groups and other interests and there's a con there is a concern that there are um lobbyists um from um to be fair I, I don't know whether you actually said this yourself but with that um we seem to, it's something that we seem to have imported from the states that have got lots of money behind them that are you know furthering their particular agenda is that have i kind of summarized you fairly pretty much and that is um disproportionately affecting a lot of people who have already been othered and um, not represented by the by democracy as it is already. Yeah. So does that? I'm assuming you you at least managed to hear that. Does does that kind of bring yeah, you a yeah, bit no, up to speed? No. Brilliant. Phew. <laughs> um, so did you do you want to come in at, at that point, Ian? Because um, I'm just conscious that rather than I go off on another kind of monologue and have everybody asleep uh, no, obviously, before obviously, eight o'clock. Hearing all of the background, obviously when I left the uh, left the call, we were talking about the wisdom of recalling Parliament. Um, uh, and obviously we had the situation where we have some members who currently can't attend and let's hope that's resolved in the next week. So we, we seem to have gone down a different path at this point. Mm. Yeah, I think probably in the, in the intervening bit when you kind of jumped up, so when... When Ivy joined the call, we were talking about the about the, the broader kind of impact of uh, of our national uh, politics and politics in the in the states and um, concerns about representation. So that kind of aside from the mechanics of what you and I were talking about, um, and obviously we had, we had different different a different view on it. We were talking quite specifically about the issues in Parliament. The fundamental question yeah. was about the representat representative nature of democracy. Well, I think it's a, and it's one that, that uh, we, we've discussed. We, we've never actually, I don't think we've actually ever done an episode on it, but those those grubby little letters, PR and proportional representation, I guess the question is, in a system which is 
primarily a two-party system. You know, there is an element of it, it, it drives it, it potentially drives a partisan agenda, doesn't it? And and so, in terms of true representation for every voter, I, I think we have a situation where you effectively have to pick your tribe, don't you? And there'll be elements about that tribe which resonate with your personal values, but there are almost certainly going to be elements of that tribe's agenda and manifesto, which perhaps you aren't as comfortable with. I don't, I don't think that it's necessarily tribes. I, I don't think in the UK we've ever truly had in my lifetime, um, I don't think we've ever had a true left-wing government um, and any attempt or push towards it has been attacked by an incredibly fierce right-wing media and um, quite frankly, incredibly dirty tactics. Um, and I think because of that, there isn't a true representation within the system as it is um, because of that two party, two um, neoliberal parties, big parties, not Near, not your party, um, Simon, the Lib Dems, but Labour and the Tories, both representing neoliberalism over people, has been a significant issue for actually generations. And um, well, and it's a fascinating standpoint, to be honest, Ivy. And and I think it, it you know, it, it's a great issue to raise because, you know, you're correct that you haven't, you haven't. Um, had the horror of a true left-wing government right, during your no, lifetime. I, think... uh, I, I was very fortunate that I was only I was only four at the time we had one. Um, you know, and again, uh, I, I I remember the the late seventies with fondness as the uh, economy collapsed and um, unemployment hit record highs. And um, you know, so so there is an element of of your correct. Well, we're there anyway um, now, aren't but, we? Even without, but, 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 even yeah. with a far-right government, we are at a point where the economy is in a terrible position and they haven't properly been able to react it, to one it, of the it, world's it, biggest it pandemics in a generation. And, and oh, that's in, in, because of their in, ideology. In so, 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 sorry to cut across you there, Ivy, but, but in terms of ideology, you have a situation where the government has rolled out the largest welfare package that the country has ever seen in the furlough scheme, in the increases to universal credit, in the small boat, your small business loans. It, it is, you know, as a fiscal conservative, this is the most unconservative response. And, and it's the right one. It's the only one that you can take. But I think to suggest that, that, you know, fiscal conservative ideology has ruled in the last three months. I, I, I find an incredulous statement to make. Um, I don't think it is at all. I think actually after a decade of austerity, the country is in a significantly worse position to deal with a pandemic. And um, I don't believe it's true democracy that undermines the and destroys the actual social services that the people require. Um, I think the privatization of so many of our aspects has been an incredibly undemocratic and damaging, like damaging both to community and to society as a whole. And I don't, even though um, the Tories may have done some good, they've done an incredible amount of bad. And even during the pandemic, they are attacking trans rights. And that's just one example of how even though there is a pandemic, they haven't stopped um, attacking certain minorities. Um, so, so, so cl classic narrative of the, the narrative. Left, no, it's fact. It's fact. Narrative would be a factual so, narrative or a fictional narrative, like yours. Got, got, okay, no, no, guys. So, so, can I just so interject if, for a second? If you just, just give me a second here. So, you, you've made your statement about austerity in the last ten years and all the terrible things that have happened, mm -hmm. and. The country was offered the the opportunity to vote for a left-wing government that was offering to step away from the classical neoliberal model. Okay. And the and the country the country and, and again 
you, you may not agree with our democratic system, and we can debate that, but we have one, and the rules are the same for all. And, and there was a choice placed on the table in front of the British people to decide their next government. It was improper. Okay, Ian and I, I'm let sorry. Me, let me, let me let, reply. Just, can, just to can, Ian. Um, can yeah, I, 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 Simon? Simon? Oh, no, Simon. Bear with me a second, Ivy. What, what I'm just desperately trying to do is, because what the, the thing that we wanted to try, and these are all really interesting things, and, and as Ian pointed out, to be fair, there are probably um, theoretical things that actually about actually how our democracy could work or should work that we we, we 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 need to discuss that i guess the theme that we were trying to look at today was the you know when you, when you look at um when you look at frankly what's happening in the united states and the behavior and con uh, conduct of uh, of the american president and to mm. you know as shocking um and appalling as his statements and his actions are sadly they're not really a, a, that much of a shock to people anymore because we're actually sadly quite used to him behaving in that in that sort of way um the um the point that we were trying to make about and ian and i obviously quite clearly dis disagreed about the issue about our parliament but our, our broader concern was what what do we do or you know what recourse is there if our democracy isn't working for us because obviously we, we we vote and there's a separate point about whether our voting system is is fair um, Ian and I will vociferously disagree about that, but that's because he keeps winning and, you know, we don't. Um, but I, I guess the point that we're kind of trying to draw back is back to is, is it, isn't it damaging for democracy if we have elected representatives that are conducting themselves in a way that doesn't actually represent us? So our society, we, we talk with pride about our society, about it supposedly being um, interested in fair play, uh, about equality um, and about truth and justice. But when our rep representatives aren't representing those values, what, you know, what, you know, what do we do? And I guess kind of the the other thing that we we were trying to kind of draw the theme of the the international concerns around that and the national concerns around that mm -hmm. the other point i guess is the you know we, we, it, the other thing is that you know locally we've had the we've had the issue of a of a of a local councillor posting things on on facebook that um were very distasteful and lots of people including myself have found inflammatory and of a um to be honest of a of a kind of a you know a racist narrative um ferociously poorly poorly timed um but not you know not interested in realizing that that's an issue um, and and apologizing um so our kind of broader question that we were going to try to we were trying to kind of trying to move on we were going to try to look at you know what's what recourse do we do we have as a society to hold our representatives to account in those ways i i think is that okay? If, yeah, sorry. Go, yeah. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Oh, go for it. Um, well, protests are one thing mm -hmm. that we can do. The system as it is, like like you said, the Tories do keep on winning. Right now, they're bringing in um, voter ID schemes, and I know Ian has praised those schemes, but. There has been a lot of proof and a lot of evidence that those schemes disproportionately affect minorities, that um, there are certain people who will only be further disenfranchised and it makes it more of a, a boundary to actually be able to vote. Um, so therefore that affects, um, that empowers the, the people who already are able to vote and use their ability to vote to vote for the Tories. And that's an example of how um, our voting system as it is, is not actually democratic. It's um, the government themselves have worked with an American far-right um, companies, Aggregate IQ, for example, who spread an incredibly false narrative, an incredible amount of fake news um, aimed at people who are most likely to believe it, to consume it, and to internalize it. And what happens with that is you end up with an incredibly false narrative that spreads throughout society, not just to those who are affected, but becomes part of the conversation itself. And that is one of the things that is subverting the elections 
that are going on and um, like for example with the vote leave campaign an incredible amount of um, overspending some really backwards and dodgy techniques using new tech and I don't think our archaic um, parliamentary system that was built for the 19th century is able to properly deal with the technology revolution that is truly going on today and because of that the far right are able to manipulate parliament to a degree which we have never experienced in our lives subverting Good democracy Lord. let me go let me go Good to Lord. ian and, and there is proof there, there is a significant amount of proof there let there has been a lot of research i've shared it on the page i've sh i've shared the proof but if you don't read it if you don't want to take yep. it then how and you still say that this is a democracy that I, the I system being... is just it's okay. not okay let 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 me go across to ian because um mm -hmm. i am trying desperately fighting through the technical dis issues to try and kind of draw nope. draw us to the themes okay, that we well, were on about yeah. ian well you 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 have a little Play there, Simon. So, so you, you, you've you've been on a wander there, Ivy. So let let let's I haven't start. Haven't been on a wander. The... It's entirely relevant to democracy. No, no. So so, but you you covered quite a lot of ground there, didn't you? So That's first a lot of, of all, voter. Okay, so voter ID. Um, I'm actually fairly agnostic about it. I have written a piece, I wrote a piece two years ago that said that with the trial, if you weren't able to engage with all of the information that told you you needed to bring some form of ID, then, frankly, I had no problems with you being turned away irrespective of your party, because if you are living off the grid and are taking so little interest in what's going on in the world, then, for me, I, 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 I respect people who vote whatever their choice of vote based on informed learning. So I don't have a strong view on, on voter ID, whether it's a good thing or not. Um, you praised it so, today so, on, on the book. I don't, I'd, yes, so so this is, uh, and this is partly sometimes the problem, Ivy, is that, that you, you see what you want to see. You don't actually see what's being said. So as I say, I'm not, I'm not a strong, I actually posted that if we were all chipped, then we wouldn't have any problems with voter ID. And you can take that in the spirit in which it's intended. So, so we have, you know, let, let's, that's cleared that one up. You said in you stand of, by it. You said you stand by it, and now you're saying you're agnostic. You've no, 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 no. So, 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 Ivy, please go and read the piece. I, I read your Facebook post. It literally says, "I stand by it." You stand by the post, and yes, I did I read the post. I've got so, it here. So did you read the article? So, did you read the article? Yes. So, 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 at that point, did I say that I was supporting? We're going down a rabbit hole here. So we have a situation where you assert that our democracy does not work for the 21st century. What would you do differently? What would I do differently? Yeah. I'm not. In, I'm not. I'm not an authority. Here. I'm. I'm a spectator. I'm. I'm a, a person on on who's affected massively affected by it and sees a great oh, I... deal of oppression due to it but not so, someone who's able to directly fix it myself. And it so, needs to... uh, so, I th so I think the system works. Okay. I'm comfortable with first past the post. I'm comfortable with the democracy as it stands at the moment. Uh, I believe I... we have fair, fair and free elections. So I, I'm comfortable. I'm not making any campaign for change. It's are very you... clear. It's very clear from what you've just said. You are not happy with the current system. Yeah. So I, I think it's a perfectly fair question to ask. If you're not happy with the current system, what system are you proposing to replace it that you would be happy with? Okay, I'll answer you. Um, what system would I replace it with? A system that means whoever is in power has to properly have the qualifications for that power. Um, a system where authority is able to be questioned, a system with oversight, a system where there is a much a greater deal of transparency, a system where um, an elected official having said something in a during a campaign is actually properly held to that. Um, but my, my question to you, you're fine with the system as it is. Are you fine with the oppression and the social damage and 
the racial discrimination, the sexism, the bigotry, the homophobia that sadly is awful and still present within our laws, within our system and enforced by the police. Because you're fine so, with the system. So are you uh, fine with all of that, Ian? Well, that's, that's, so that's a ridiculous question to ask. No, it's not a ridiculous so, question. So, 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 it's absolutely not. So, so, no, it's so, not. So to, no. so to ask... So to ask somebody, are they comfortable with sexism, racism and bigotry? The answer is no. It has to be no. Do you recognise that it's a result of how the system is at the moment, of, of the no, archaic no, no, laws? No, no, no. No, no. I, you don't recognise that. You, you recognise something. You have a very strong set of opinions on this. And you absolutely believe that you're correct. What I struggle with often is I struggle to understand what you're trying to articulate. So do I stand against bigotry? Yes. Do I stand against racism? Yes. Did I find what happened in the US to be the appalling execution of an unarmed man in cold blood with three officers of the law looking on and failing to act? That was abhorrent, Ivy. Yep, and I cannot, find any, I cannot find anybody who would not agree with that statement. I found loads. And honestly, they use arguments like all lives matter. Constantly. I, I, I can't comment on that because I, I, I have yet to see anybody, uh, and maybe we don't move in the same circles, I have yet to see anybody that says that what happened was acceptable, that that was okay. Uh, and, well, and, I, and you're telling me, you're telling me, or are you telling me that you have people who have seen that video and said, well, it was okay, it's fair enough. No, that, that's not what I'm telling you. What I'm telling you is that racism is malicious. It's, it's not necessarily as overt or direct and it can manifest within arguments and that those arguments are present and constantly being used to undermine things such as Black Lives Matter and to, for example, justify the system as it is, because the, what, they are, what they are arguing against is the ingrained oppression that is within the system. So by supporting the system in its entirety and not recognizing the true issues that these people are having because it's not just then the protests aren't happening across the world because of george floyd he's the catalyst what happened is the catalyst and the fuel is a much greater much larger problem that has been happening forever quite frankly um i'm gonna desperately try to interject at this point um Do um because I guess so. It, I guess the, the 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 wider point that you're you're trying to make, Ivy, is that um, the sorts of decisions that are being made by our representatives and the sorts of laws that are enact are enacted in our administrative power bases, whether that's in local government, whether that's in parliament, or whatever those are, um, those will be. Um, those will be influenced by the sorts of people that are actually making those decisions as, as you know, as, as, um, as, as they would be speaking from their own experience or from the experience that they listen to from their, from their electors. Um, if we have a democratic system that more accurately reflects the people it, it seeks to represent, um, which is what, to be honest with you, one of the advantages of proportional representation, um, then it is what you're trying to say that you know that would actually address some of those issues because our representatives would be a better reflection of the society they're seeking to represent. That's true. Yes. Um, sadly, even in recent years, we've had things such as Grenfell and the Windrush scandal, um, and they are just some. And obviously, the the awful awful events around um, the refugees in recent years. All of that is a sign that we are not truly a fair society. And the further away we get 
from empowered voters and properly represented voters, the more unfair it just becomes against so many in our society. And so therefore to support further things that push to prevent more people vote, being able to vote is to enforce the system that disproportionately hurts so many. Okay. I'm, I've got things to say about voter ID, to be honest with yeah. you. Um, but I just want to kind of give you a chance to kind of come back on that and conscious that um, where we are kind of time-wise. So I might have to park my comments about uh, about voter ID. Um, and we'll come no, at those think, at another... Uh... I, I think it's a I think it's a valid contribution to make Simon C- come in. Okay, so um, I um, if I'm honest, my natural response to voter ID um, is that it's a uh, basically it's a regressive form of um, discriminating against actually engaging, encouraging engaging um, all of the all of the population because some of the people that will not have the ID that would be required um, are people that um, can't afford a car so therefore don't have a driving license have never been able to afford a foreign holiday so don't have don't have a passport so the the danger would be that those would be the very dis- disenfranchised people that you would want to make sure actually um, actually do contribute to our voting system and actually to our democratic process um, on the other side of that um, I'm conscious that it seems to be a solution in search of a problem because physical misrepresentation of, of voting um, at, at polling stations um, is actually such a rare thing. I, f- I forget the figures that I actually quoted earlier on this afternoon um, on the, the Portsmouth Politics uh, Facebook group. Um, but the- uh, half, half a dozen, wasn't it? Half a dozen um, prosecutions, I think, in the last... God knows how long. But it just used 2019. I think roughly it was 360 accusations were made and there were two pros- two convictions and one police caution issued. And one of the one yeah. of the prosecutions um was actually a um was actually a, a councillor that had not basically declared a pecuniary interest. So it wasn't actually a you know voter fraud in, in that sort of sense. So in that respect, it's a very, very small number. What I'm conscious of is that actually the big open thing so um, is actually how our postal voting system works in the sense that that is the easiest thing of all. If you if you were to um, if you were to actually want to be in, in um, involved in photo fraud or indeed actually um, influencing or voting on someone else's behalf, um, postal voting or proxy voting is is actually relatively would be relatively easy it's the weak point of the scheme because you're not having to physically turn up and do something no one else actually sees whether you're really the person that signs that form um the council are just actually electoral services are just actually comparing that signature that comes in with the ballot against the signature that they had against the registration for postal voting um so there are kind of those sorts of issues having said all of that and it being a solution in search of a problem in northern ireland they've had voter id for years um, and it, you know, hasn't affected voter turnout because if you don't have um, either a passport or a driving license or some other suitable form of photo ID, then you can get one for free from uh, from basically from the government. So you can get one um, for free. So although I don't think that there's really a need for voter ID, if it were to be enacted, it has to be the case that it doesn't dif- disenfranchise people that can't afford to buy their own photo ID. Um I'd rather we spent time and money on things that do actually work. And to kind of circle back to the points that we were we were making on earlier on, if we had, and this was a point that um, that one of our pre- other previous guests, Sai uh, from uh, Portsmouth Politics, actually kind of made, if we had a 21st century voting system, if I could, if I can get into, you know, if I have to go to all sorts of digital hoops to get into my banking. Uh, you know get into my bank accounts um, and they have to make sure that those are secure then it's not beyond the wit of our technology to be able to create a system where we can actually vote digitally um, so that people that have that can vote digitally can do and that can be secure and we can make sure that the person voting is the person that's intended we could have a um, a hybrid system for voting in person whereby you go to the you know, you vote digitally actually in the polling booth, but it produces a printout that you put into the into the 
um, into the po- into the box as, as normal so that um, a certain percentage of those are then checked to make sure they correspond with what the digital count is. So there are things that you could do to move our electoral system at, at how we experience it as because our experience of it is when we vote, um, how we can move it into the 21st century. And it isn't beyond the wit of creation for that we have similar mechanisms in in our council chambers across the country and in our in our parliament, yep. there is no need for us to be spending thousands of pounds worth of taxpayers' money ferrying people up and down the country, for, you know, from Edinburgh to, to you know to Westminster and all of the um, inefficiencies that is. Um, I, I think that there is a wider question about how we make our democracy work from the point of view, if you like, from its customers, its end users, so the voters. Um, and yep. actually, the the people that that represent us, it it so, could and so should be easier. Something? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna. Otherwise, I'll keep going. Sorry, yeah. go on. So can I throw so can I throw something out that I think we could probably all agree on, which is that if we could have uh, a digital voting system mm-hmm. that would enable the person placing the vote to see the digital version of all those bloody leaflets that get piled through doors and into recycling. So, you know, if there was an element for every election where, you know, effectively you vote through a portal, you get a one-time code, you know, there's still got to be the the option for those that are not technologically savvy. But it, it feels to me like a, a better way of engaging people is, you know, if rather than just having a name and a party on a piece of paper, you vote through a portal that tells you, what that individual and what that party stands for, and you then get to press the button to make the uh, selection, that would strike me as a as a better way of doing democracy. I, I get the point you're trying to make. To be honest, that specific example would effectively be campaigning in the voting booth, which isn't something you're allowed to do. There isn't any camp. You're not no, I get, to, I, yeah. no, I get that, Simon, but there's an element of, of I, you know, we've touched on it before. We do worry how many people just turn up at the polling booth and run down the list and go Conservative X or Lib Dem X or Labour X. Well, well having said that, why, why, why even have Labour, Lib Dem or, or the Tories at all? Why not just do it by policy? Why, why not have um, a list of policies that you can go through and say, I want to see this in the country. I want to see this in the country. I want to see this in the country. The policies were not the people. Because right now, I honestly, so much gets said during elections that never comes to fruition. So many things get said that then um, the exact opposite happens. And um, I don't think that it's it's true democracy if that's actually truly happening. So why not have people vote completely away from from the parties and just for the policies? That, that's an interesting... I mean, your suggestion there, Ivy, removes the observational bias from people's voting intention. Yeah. Um, which is quite interesting because um, what I find um, intriguing is that if you actually spend time talking with people and listening to them, um, who they actually... Um, say that they support as a political party isn't doesn't necessarily actually match what their what their ideals are and their values are um Mm -hmm. and i guess all parties are to a degree a broad church um so um it's interesting that whether it's the technical issues or whether whether actually this conversation has actually prompted a bit more of a response from our um from our um from our own little focus group um which is our which is our comments um, room. I haven't so, been looking at those. <laughs> so it's interesting. So Phil was um, remarking that the average turnout for UK general elections is less than 60%. Um, so 40% of people don't care enough um, anyway. And maybe um, if that 40% um, could be bothered, um, we'd get a different result. It's it's an interesting point um, to, to steal a quote from the West Wing. Um, if voter turnout is low, does that mean that the politicians are failing the voters or the voters are failing the politicians? Um an interesting point. Uh, Phil goes on to say, uh, "Digital voting with Huawei running a five G network." Yeah, okay. Let's move on from that one before we start with our contrails. Um, and Sai um, Sai Bunting, who who'd been on, I guess before, was um, yet yeah, non-partisan elections are the way forward. Remove the party name from the ballot. So Sai's agreeing uh, with your point there, Ivy. Um, it, it, it's really quite interesting. I mean, Australia has mandatory voting. Their voter yeah. turnout's about ninety-five percent. 
you get a fine of about $20, which I think goes up if you if you continually don't vote. Um, they make it a social event. They have, you know, um, basically... Um, freedom sausages. Yes, the free, freedom Democracy sausages. Democracy sausage. Which, which is a... Um, yeah, sorry. Don't Google that, guys. So... Yeah, um, yeah so... Um, that's an interesting point. And also their number of spoiled ballots. You'd think that that, would mass- that might go up with massively disengaged voters that are being forced to vote. Their um, number of spoiled ballots is only marginally actually higher than our number of spoiled ballots as a percentage of all ballots um, submitted. Um, so some really probably some juicy things to kind of get into, um, which we're not going to solve tonight. Um, future episodes. So maybe there's a, there's a kind of future episode to, to, for us to look at as to... What I don't know whether the unhappy um, emoticons that are coming is because I'm. It sounds like I'm trying to wind up the show. Um, maybe people are unhappy that we that we might give them their evening back. Um, but it's it really it's really worth getting into um, because maybe that's the kind of the fundamental point. Did you have anything you wanted to close on, Ian? Is it that time already? Well, it's it's seven thirty-five. So, Good God! I, I probably because I missed half of the show. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah to no, be fair, no, you, 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 no, I think uh, I, I think there's still more to come, and we've probably got half a show ready for next week. Um, but uh, no, no, I'm I'm good. Okay. Um, well, so we, you've been listening to the, the Pompey Politics Podcast, Blue and Yellow Till We Die. I've been Ian Tiny Morris. Our uh, guest has been. Ivy. <laughs> and I've still been Simon Sansbury and I've pulled what little hair I had out left. Yeah. Go well, people.